Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. I'm an alcoholic, a uh, member of a gap group. My name is John. And I come to you from uh, Hamilton, Ontario, uh, this today, and looking forward very much to being with you. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous is that change happens over time, but inevitably we all change. Whether we resist it or not, change is inevitable. And I couldn't help but think back in the early days of my sobriety, all I was concerned about was physical sobriety, which makes sense. I think that's logical to expect. I come to Alcoholics Anonymous not to find God, but to get sober. That's what essentially I came here for. So my attention was on the physical sobriety, and uh, my attention stayed there for quite some time. Thinking we used to have a, we have a saying back then, we used to say, you know, if I quit drinking today, I'll be a saint by Thursday. Believing that the alcohol was the cause of the problem. And oh, soon later, I learned that that's not true. Alcohol is a symptom. That's an expression of a problem. Uh, it's a behavioral thing where we get to see what our true problems actually are. And, of course, I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, I come here with a lot of twisted ideas, a lot of old ideas, one could say, a lot of destructive ideas, assumptions about people, uh, resentments, anger. I came with all that baggage, and I didn't know what to do with it. I, I don't even think I could name it because I was not used to being introspective at all. It was all about blaming others in my life. So I came here, it was a stark reality change is happening. I think, oh, my God, I'm going to stop drinking a day at a time. By God's grace, I keep doing that. But this, this thing between my ears was just, oh, my God, it's horrendous. You know, we all like to think our brains are working for us, but that's not true sometimes. The brain does work against us. And uh, on page 23 of the big book, it tells us that, that uh, the main problem with an alcoholic centers in his or her mind. So this is a sense of where the challenges come from. Now, here's what I notice about my own life, and see if you can identify with this. If there's an absence of a crisis or a setback, uh, I would say my life was going well. Everything was going fine. There'd be emotional regulation in my life because there was nothing to get excited about. And one would ask me how I'm doing, and I would say, I'm okay. I'm doing fine, thank you. Everything seems to be going right. Not considering that everything doesn't always go right all the time. It's an interesting thing that life changes so quickly in and out. It's okay one moment, then all of a sudden, next moment, there seems to be difficulties and challenges to face. But that's life. 
the ebb and flow, the ability for us to learn how to deal with life, both at the ebb and at the flow. So uh, sometimes I would think I have this these these uh, shortcomings beat. They'd be idle, and my life would be okay. And I would say to myself, "This is this is good. This is good life." Um, not understanding or realizing that there's so much more. See, sometimes we're like the fish in the water. Uh, the fish doesn't notice the water because they're in the water all the time. It's it's like me and my life. I'm in my life all the time, and I don't know it can be any different. And if it could be any different, I don't know how that would feel in the moment that I'm having the experience of just being here with me. So this is a challenge to break out of this idea that life is just the way it is. This consciousness, it just happens. See, I believe that we've been given something very, very special. I call it the the sacred identity. That somehow we're born into something greatness. And the second step we talk about, we talk about being restored. Restored to what? Restored to some original way of being. And having a sacred identity is, is no bragging rights, by the way. It's a gift that each human being has. And in that sacred identity, our strengths, our virtues, are almost like an intergenerational uh, wisdom that we carry on from from generation to generation. We build up some wisdom in us that there is something deeper and mystical about a human being and that we all have good intentions. And along the way, many of our good intentions got into poor behaviors. But the good intentions are the mirror to the sacred identity. So here we come. We're coming. We're coming to AA. We admitted that we're powerless over alcohol. Life had been, been manageable, and now we're starting to realize, my God, my life mentally and emotionally is just it's just upside down. What can I do about it, if anything? And then uh, you know we take on a. a, a spiritual life, uh, we practice these ideas and principles, and our lives become okay. They become okay. And then one day, we wake up. We wake up and say, you know what? There's more to life than this. There's just more to it than this. What is it? I I don't want to walk around resenting anymore or being angry or being shy or being afraid to try something. I'm sick and tired of walking around with my inner critic who's constantly complaining about myself and that I'm not good enough. I'm tired of looking at challenges in my life and saying, you know what, I, I just don't think I can deal with them. I'm just tired of being the kinds of having the kinds of behaviors that are destructive and unhelpful to me. I'm tired of all that. And I'm tired of learning how to try to deal with these emotions. I just don't know how to deal with them. 
Um, and there I am in a mess and a pickle, if you like. Dr. Silkworth would call that restless, irritable, and discontent. See, what I, what that expresses to me is I was doing something that what the universe didn't want me to do. And there's the restlessness, irritable, and discontent. I had to go back and begin to learn how to deal with these emotions, these negative thoughts, this inner critic, these limited beliefs I had about myself. And learn I did. You get to AA, you hear all kinds of wonderful things. People that come before us uh, while reading the book gives us directions and gives us help and support as we go through this discovery of ourselves and about the universe and about uh, about God. And some of us are, are, are at the end of that saying, this is wonderful, this is great. I found what I've been looking for finally. Uh, I know what my purpose is. I know what meaning my life means. I know what I need to do. And my behavior is such that I'm, I'm consistent with following through for my sacred identity. Hooray. Many people don't feel that way, even going out of the 12 steps, working the 12 steps, uh, being vigorous in their service, uh, readings, helping other people you know, doing all the work that suggested them so that they can get some relief. But they don't find any emotional relief. And there's a fair number of people like that for some reason. The emotional sobriety hasn't touched them yet. And this is what a part of my talk I wanted to give today. I want to I wanted to bring you guys up to what my definition of emotional cognitive sobriety and about what contributes to it. It's not whether you have it or not, because once you have it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to keep it. So we're looking for how to process our emotions and, and in spite of anything that we're facing. So this is a this is a wonderful thing. First thing what contributes to it is being mindful. Being having situational awareness. You see? So what does that mean? It means that you're in the present moment. You're not asleep. You're not somewhere else. You're not in the past or in the future. You're actually in the moment. And your full attention and focus is on the experience, and you're aware of the experience all around you. You're connected to your body. You're in an understanding and curiosity state of mind. You're not judging at all. So you're very much aware. That's the first thing we need to do in order to get emotional sobriety is become aware. Become aware of ourselves, of our inner experiences, our outer experiences, our environment, the people around us, and so on. Become acutely aware and being in the present moment and ready to observe. Observe what's going on. Next thing to do with emotional sobriety is know what your strengths are. Practice your strengths. This is a uh, a terrible oversight, I think, on our conversation and our fellowship. We don't talk enough about our strengths. 
we unfortunately are defined by our weaknesses, and I'll get into that in a few moments. Our strengths, we're not quite as familiar with them, and yet we have them. We have them from this sacred identity. And the idea being, when we're when we're focused on our strengths, it gives us energy. Why? Because strengths are something we do well. And when we do something well, we get excited and enthusiastic about it. And you can see people all the way from the, their hobbies of uh, maybe um, flower arranging to anything. They get delight in arranging the flowers. It was like it's given them energy. This is what it's like uh, to when we're in our strengths. It gives us energy so we can move forward and we can do it happily and graciously. And this is what happens when we look at our strengths. We strengthen our strengths. This is called strength spotting, by the way. And what we do is they say, how can we deepen our strengths? How can we use this strength most often? Now, some of you may be thinking, by the way, right now that, you know what? I don't have any strengths. I, I'm just a, I'm just a loser. And no matter what I try to put together, it seems to fall away. And I can get someone thinking that, particularly coming out of the, you know, the, the birds of, of, of uh, our alcoholism, the destruction that we've caused. But I want you to consider something. I want you to consider that you have more talent than, than you can ever recognize. And one of the strengths I want, I want to point out to you that everyone has in this call, by the way, and I don't need to know you. And that's the strength of acceptance. You're able to accept things. Uh, how do I know that? Because you're here. You're able to accept your disease of alcoholism. How do I know that? Because you're here. So you've been practicing acceptance, uh, maybe off the charts. Maybe you're unaware, but you've been practicing it and practicing and practicing it until you become masterful at acceptance. Well, the same thing's true of any other strength, like uh, persistentness, honesty, uh, integrity, courage, uh, any virtue that you find uh, that you can discover or look at some, uh, somebody else has, you can begin to nurture it with yours. See, this is a, this is a very beginning and a shift into well-being. Look at your strength, strength spot, strength development, and watch the expression of your strengths. Uh, it'll bring you sheer delight. Strengths, focusing on our strengths. We have to look at the emotions of things ourselves. You know, there are no bad emotions. Emotions are natural. What I mean by that is this. Sometimes some of the emotions bring us pain, and we call them bad emotions. We say things like, I shouldn't feel this way. And I want you to get, uh, for me, what, what that actually means. You're not prepared to deal with reality. You think it should be some other way. And as you start thinking of it as being some other way, what you're moving away from is reality. So we want to we want to get as close to reality as possible for a human being. And that's not easy to do, by the way, one might think. We want to get, what are the facts here? 
What are the facts? Keep reminding ourselves, what are the facts? Because the human brain is a funny thing. The human brain wants to fill in gaps. It, it wants to conclude. It wants to compare. It wants to judge. That's what the brain does. And we don't want it, the brain to do that at this moment with this item in our mind. We, what we want to do is remain open. We want to remain uh, in the place of understanding and of curiosity. So we begin to see that emotion that comes to us is a natural instinct. It may bring us pain, but nonetheless, it's real. And I like to think one of the things I do uh, that maybe a lot of people don't do is I honor my experience. I don't say I should be some other way. I say I I may feel that I'm in this moment or feel about this at this moment or I have the thought of, of being angry or something along that line. I can put words to it, but I don't have to believe in it. They're just words. So, friends, what we're, what we're doing here is we're retraining our minds. We're retraining them. We're retraining to be in the present moment. We're retraining them to not to discount or to avoid emotions that are coming up, but to learn to deal with them. Now, emotions are, are such that they've been around us for hundreds of thousands of years. Often we talk about fear. We just say, well, I don't know why I'm afraid. Uh, I have really nothing to be afraid of, but I'm afraid. I like to get rid of that fear. Well, you're not going to get rid of fear. Fear is a human condition. It's been part of our nature for hundreds of thousands of years. So it's not about getting rid of fear. It's about working with it. And I like to twist some words around a little bit to reformat the challenge that's in front of me. I don't say, what is this fear doing to me? I ask myself this question, what is it doing for me? What is it pointing out to me? What is it suggesting that I should be aware of? And I go through it like that, and uh, what I find then now, that the fear is actually quite beneficial. I like to call it a good neighbor. It's helping me. So acknowledge the feeling I'm having. Honor it. Work, look how I can work with it, right? What's the process of how I can work with it? Thirdly, I want you to know that it's temporary. These feelings are temporary. These thoughts are just temporary. And we hang on to them more than the, the thoughts want to linger there. And the thought will just lead, come and go unless we stop it, unless we engage with it. And we have to get better at making choices of what we're going to engage in and what we're going to let go of. So we need to practice this as part of our mind to say, okay, I'm going to practice. Is this thought a good thought, a healthy thought, something I would act on, yes or no? If the answer is no, just let it go. If this thought is un unhealthy, unhelpful, it could get me into difficulties, what am I going to do with this thought? Well, am I going to hang on to it and engage in it? Like, where did it come from? What's what's wrong with me to be thinking this way? I engage in it. Or am I going to let it come and go? See, this is, this is a great practice. We're already driving up our well-being by uh, practicing thoughts that we 
could could be useful to us versus hanging around thoughts that are dark and negative and uh, old ideas. We want to just let go of them if we can. So we get in the practice of this. We practice being mindful, situational awareness. We practice being open to whatever emotion that comes. I have uh, uh, a word I use for emotions is the compass. It's my feedback. So if I feel angry, there's reasons why I feel angry. And I want to be curious enough to look at underneath the anger to see what brought me the anger and to see what I could practice on my strengths that I'm not practicing so that I can alleviate the difficulty of anger before it gets expressed. So this is the practice. It's not about not having defects of character, but to work with them. You know, defects of character are weaknesses, and uh, it's not that we are weak, but there are weaknesses. And it, these things prevent us from well-being, actually. They're little foibles, if you like, in a little construction patches along this pathway to spiritual enlightenment. Uh, that's what these weaknesses are about. And, but they can be addressed objectively, not emotionally or morally. There's something called negative emotional stacking. And what that really means is that if, if I feel anger, it, it, one emotion doesn't come by itself. It, other emotions accompany it. So I may feel uh, anger in a moment, and I may I may feel regret for feeling angry or guilty for feeling angry. And all of a sudden, I'm stacking these emotional uh, th- things up to a point where I get stressed out or I'm upset. And there's no emotional regulation. See, I'm building this castle. Conversely, if I can look at something that is about to make me angry, I may say, okay, what is the cause of this? What's this coming from? (coughs) What need do I have that wasn't expressed that this would come up? And oftentimes that's what I find for myself. I don't, I expect people to know what I want uh, through um, mind to mind. In other words, I don't, uh, I don't speak out my needs very well. So once I learned to start practicing that, I found that I became less and less angry because there's nothing to be angry about. This is this is how this whole thing works in our emotional well-being, friends. We can be emotionally sober. We can contribute to our emotional sobriety by being more mindful, using our strengths, having better conversations with people, being able to relate to our weaknesses in an in a mature, responsible way, rather than thinking that there's something terribly wrong with us. And then we start developing a new meaning for life for ourselves, a brand new life, a life that we could never imagine before because we could never imagine the strengths that we didn't even know we had to perform the job that's in front of us. So this is this is a discovery. Many of us find come to Alcoholics Anonymous and find something uh, extraordinary, uh, maybe in creativity, maybe in other 
interests and, and so on. We begin to see these things for our lives and we begin to pursue them because they're uncovered through the work that we're doing in the 12 steps. So we're working for this, contributing to this emotional sobriety. Then one day the proverbial fan hits, right? The ultimate surprise, the thing that takes us off our feet, the reverses we hadn't expected or hadn't hoped for. All of a sudden, there we are in a storm. What do we do now? Well, because we've been practicing these regular, these emotional regulations, practicing mindfulness, practicing your strengths, practicing um, understanding rather than judging, practicing um, not to deal with the old history of our lives, but to bring in something new. What happens, we're able to, we're better able to handle the storm in our lives. That's what happens. You see, one of the things I think is incorrect to say to people, things will, things will get better. We can't guarantee things in their life will get better. But what we can guarantee and stand behind 100% of the time, we can bring, we, we can say to them that they will get better. They will get better to learn how to deal with just everything in life if they want to practice these ideas and use them to their advantage. You see, this is an action-based program. You know that. I know that. And sometimes we get stuck in just having nice conversations. Conversations are nice to have, of course, but uh, what's more important here was that we get and practice these ideas. We disrupt our old patterns. We try on new things to do. Because what we're discovering for ourselves, we had no idea who we were. We thought we were some broken lump uh, that's laying in the gutter somewhere uh, because of their addictions, and only to find out we're more than that. We're so much more than that. We're a group of people that that trust in their God so that they can come alive again, that phoenix from ashes kind of thing. Become well, become free. I like to use the two words, thriving and flourishing, as a human being. See, I'm, I'm not a, an addict who has a broken wing, and I see God, well, this is because I'm an addict, this is because I'm an addict, this is because I'm an addict. No, no, that that's living life with a broken wing. I want to be free of all of that, friends. I want to live my life the way I live my life, excited, enthusiastic, enjoying people, appreciating their company, uh, getting delighted and reading or learning something new with somebody, uh, connecting with human beings at a close, intimate level, watching somebody sober up in these rooms and see how they've changed their lives, their appearance, and everything about them, outward, inward. It's a beautiful thing to witness. And here we are at this banquet. And hopefully we're not preoccupied with, with our defects of character or our limits or what will people think of me if they really got to know me. Take a chance. Open up. Learn to be vulnerable. Be authentic. Let people know who you are because they need to hear that voice from you. You are uh, an incredible story 
for people to hear. I mean, let's face it. You may think it might be boring, but it isn't. It's, it's, uh, you're the only one that has this story. That's how important it is. So friends, the more we feel, we feel better about ourselves, the more apt we are going to, uh, do our work well, do it with enthusiasm. Doing it not with obligation, by the way. You hear a lot of I have to, I have to. You don't have to do anything. Choose to. Choose to do, to do whatever it is you say yes to. Do it without obligation. Do it because you want to. Do it because you can participate in something. Do it because you're doing something good. Choose to do it. And this is what happened. We built up, uh, I don't know, it's almost like a, an emotional bank account, I would say. And that, uh, we deposit and do we, we do withdrawal sometimes, but we have enough in our deposit to withdraw. So we don't get truly harmed. We know what to do, friends, if we practice this. So this, this is really for me, it's a it floats around the idea of freedom. Freedom. I don't see much freedom in constantly looking at my defects of character. I do see freedom in my strengths, though, that I can practice them to become a better person. And I can do that really as best as I possibly can. Let's face it. I'm the best John I'm ever going to be. I'm not, I'll never be a very good Tamara, but I can be a very good John. And this is what I'm focused on these days, friends. I'm focusing on clearing this wreckage, this emotional and mental wreckage of uh, um, learning how to self-accept. Do you know the freedom that comes with that? Because we're not walking around with that heaviness in our heads, paying attention to that inner critic, just keeps repeating, you're just not good enough. The burden of that on a soul that walks this earth day after day after day, hearing that same message. Well, there's true freedom and not listening to that message anymore. There's true freedom and acknowledge and appreciating who you are, that you've been given the grace to begin to see your beauty, your goodness, your purpose. And when you start seeing these things and you start participating in them, this is where the motivation to finish comes in. This gives you an excitement to to complete whatever it is you're going to be completing here. And this is what's important. This is purpose. If we don't know our purpose or we don't have a purpose, all we're doing is just meandering through life. You can always tell somebody with purpose. You know, they they walk as if they have some place to go. people have no purpose they kind of walk around in circles see this is what we want we we want to be able to understand this so we can participate in life fully I think sometimes that's the reason why uh, some of us are tempted to drinking because we don't know how to participate in life fully although we want to so getting down to this, this emotional integrity, this, this, this separating these emotions and saying, you know what? They're friends of mine. They're not enemies. I can learn from them. I can allow them to tame because I'm looking at them as an observer. I'm not being affected by them. 
See, this all comes part and parcel with the work we do. And then one day you wake up and you say, you know what? This is wonderful. This is, uh, nothing seems to bother me anymore. And of course, that's, that's probably not true in some respect, but it's, it's true in another respect that you learned, you teach yourself to be separate from what's happening in the universe so that you don't have to feel uneasy. You don't have to feel worried that you're just observing what's happening. Friends, I came here over 50 years ago not wanting to not wanting to drink anymore but not not knowing how to stay sober i come here blinded completely about my responsibility in this world i just didn't have any practice around being honest or being self reflective it just it just didn't exist for me i just continue to blame others that my behaviors kept on going the way that they were going because I was able to do is blaming others. So I come here, a mess. I'm leaving here with well, some degree of understanding why I do things and why I don't do things. I come here responsible for my character, my behavior. I come here wanting to help and assist anybody that's in this room or other places I meet people. I come here to learn something about the mystical life, spiritual life, the life that gives us energy, gives us breath, gives us we're being caused by something. And we learn that in our 12 steps. We're being caused by God to become something far greater than our brokenness. And not to just to leave it there, by the way, but to pass it on to other people. This is this that this is where the energy, the electrons actually actually sparkle, is when you actually hand it off to another person. See, that's the end point. The end point to realize that this is not just about us. But it's about our, it's about our community. It's about helping each other, about raising each other up. And of course, if you're preoccupied with self, you can't do that. You just can't do it. Now, I promote the idea that there's nothing wrong with that way any of us think. It's just how we've, we've arrived at this. That's all. Some of us think better than others. Some of us make better decisions than others. Some of us are so impulsive. Some of us are naturally spontaneous. Uh, but there's all kinds of situations and conditions each of us face that are maybe a little bit different than, than each other. But we have this common pool. A common pool is I want to be able to be acceptable in the eyes of my society and culture, my friends and my family and the community. And I want to behave in such a way that I can be look in the mirror each night and say, okay, uh, you're not so bad. Rather than going to bed and saying, why did I say that to that person? Oh, my God. Here I go again. 
I want to be able to walk and be satisfied with my life. This is becoming important to me for, I don't know, it's because of my age or what it is. To to make these last few years or day, whatever we got left, but make them meaningful, packed, not wasting time, but enjoying the moment in this moment. And just being satisfied with that. Not trying to get something more or do something bigger. Just being in this moment. See, these these are these are moments that I think are relative to what we would call emotional sobriety. We're satisfied. You see, we don't need anything. We're satisfied. We're appreciative. We're grateful. We're grateful for the things that's been given to us, not the things that we don't have. And as we make that turn, imagine an ocean liner turning. It's going to take a while. Imagine us turning from a self-centered perspective to an other person perspective. What that turn would be like. Beautiful turn of caring for somebody else in a way in which you could never thought of you could care for him before. And all of a sudden it happens. You start connecting with people so deep. You kind of wonder where all that went. Where did, where did it all come from? Friends, that's that's the story. We want to keep doing the small things every day so that we move towards emotional regulation. Emotional sobriety is an emotional regulation. Our emotions become regular. They're not heightened because we've been avoiding them. We're not forcing them because we're afraid of them. We're allowing them. We're processing them. We realize we no longer have to be controlled by fear, although we're going to have fear, but we're not going to be controlled by it. What's important here? Underline this twice if you're writing anything at all. What's important here is your relationship to the fear changes. The fear still exists, but your relationship to it changes, which makes all the difference in the world. You see, we can't control fear. Can't, you can't say, well, it's going to come up now or, or we won't let it come up five minutes from now. It, it doesn't work that way. It just erupts. So we get to see, we get to see how, how we're dealing with our fears through these experiences. And then we can see, oh my God, I don't have to be stuck in behind fear. I can actually walk it up the ramp. And to see what it can do for me. See, these these are these are small trips, I guess, little little nuances of differences that will make a difference in your life. Instead of finding out what's wrong, find out what's right. Instead of judging yourself because you failed at something, celebrate it. 
because now you know something that doesn't work. You had the courage to experience something. And you might have learned something as a result of that. See, you're reframing it all the time. You're not being made bitter by your emotions. You're made better by them. As we start looking at your, your emotions, you start looking at your negative thinking, too. Your negative thinking is such that uh, uh, you can't do this. You tried this before. This is not for you. You're not very good at it. On and on and on. We keep telling ourselves. We keep defining ourselves to a small point of who we are as a human being. In other words, we reduce ourselves, our sacred identity, because we keep identifying ourselves as a defect of character. We're bigger than that. We're bigger than that. Yes, we have defects of character. Yes, we need to be responsible for them. We need to make our amends when they happen. That's not who we are. There's something extraordinary and mystical about a human being. And it gets represented in their sacred identity. And we begin to see the goodness and our purpose and our, and our care for each other. We can begin to see that we are persistent. That we do do the right things. And all we need to do is continue to practice that more every day. Just a little bit more every day. Little things. I run a, I run a training program. Uh, a coaching program, and I have what I call nano lessons, N-A-N-O lessons. They're three minutes of audio every day. And I send out to my my members so that they can just take on something so small, they're going to have 100% success with it. They're not going to sit back and say, do I have time for this? Or, what good is this for me? Uh, what happens if I do it tomorrow or not today? No, we've taken that out by, by having them do something small every day. Friends, what's your nano lesson going to be for today? What are you going to take away from this meeting that's going to make your life a little bit better? Not because I said something, but because perhaps you and your higher power are in a conversation right now that's pointing something to you that you've been nagging at or been nagged at for some time. This is how this works. When we pay attention to our experiences, we begin to see things differently. So if God is nudging you in some particular way. Something that you've heard, something that you want to practice, but you keep putting off. Just write yourself a short note and say, I'm going to do this tomorrow morning when I get up at nine o'clock. One action as a result of this meeting doesn't have to be big. If you had this kind of dedication every day where you took on one thing every day, now, some things are big and you may want to, you wouldn't want to do that. Some things are small and you could do that. But let's just say one thing a day. That's in 365 days later, you would have made that many changes in your life. Can you imagine? 
So you take on one small change a week. 52 weeks later, you made 52 changes in your life. 52. See, we tend not to take the opportunity at hand. We we tend to put it off. We tend to say, well, I know that, uh, but I don't need to do that. But it's in the practicing of it that we actually become masterful at it. So what is it? What is it you'd like to do tomorrow? One thing that you wouldn't normally do as a result of this meeting, paying attention to your your conversation with your Holy Spirit. See, this is my program. This is what I do every day. I, I'll come to a meeting. I listen. In a few minutes, I'm going to be listening to you. And I'm going to hear something. So somebody's going to say something, and I'm going to write down, and I'm going to make a little action plan. Because that's where the level of change happens. It happens at the level of practice. And I've been sick the last eight weeks. I've uh, been home-ridden, completely opposite the way I normally live my life. Um, I noticed lots of obstructions I had to deal with in the last eight weeks. Lots of uncomfortableness around being cared for rather than being being the caring one. Uh, lots of awkwardness, and it's, what it strikes me is this: that you never, we never stop learning here. We never stop learning. We never can say we got it. We got life. There's always something to learn. There's always something to improve on. There's always something to get better at. And our experience is if we're paying attention to, we're going to hear where to get better at because we're awake. Friends, that's all I have to say today. I'm closing off a little bit early. I hope you'll forgive me. Um, But anyway, God bless each of you. It was nice to be with you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.